Yay! Es ist die Folge 62 des Nachtschicht-Fußball-Podcasts. Welcome to the Nightshift Football Podcast. It's episode 62. This week, our intro coming to us in German, which I don't know if it made any sense. It didn't make any sense to me. We've got plenty to get through tonight because football doesn't make sense to me anymore either. Quote, it's fucking boring. We'll get to that. Uh, FA Cup happened, came and went. Scottish Cup semi-final came and went. La Liga is on the verge of wenting as we speak. Uh, we'll, get, we'll cover it all. We'll cover it all. Tommy's on the other end of the line again. Let's jump straight into it, mate. How you doing? Tip top. Football keeps going on and it keeps disappointing us in the same ways that we can imagine. It does. It really does. You could rewind 60 episodes of this and it would be the same uh, overarching theme. Modern football is boring. Modern football may be dead. What, uh, bring, what brings you to uh, bring such such grim tones to this week's podcast. Look, it's not too out of the ordinary, but there was a good tweet that I saw during the week. It starts off with football is finished. Okay. Doom and gloom. That's a big statement to make, but you know, he kind of backs it up. <laughs> yeah. But today's Wembley result. Uh, I think he's referring to the Chelsea palace game. Uh, I mean, since the PL began, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Mank blue and Mank red. We'll have won 28 of 30 Premier League titles and 26 of 30 FA Cups. And he rounds it out with, it's fucking boring. I was waiting for it. It is boring. Um, it's boring in that sense that yeah. you, can, you can predict easily out of a group of five clubs who are going to win everything that there is to offer. I was uh, having a think about this today and um, I think the... You could see a correlation if you were looking at a footballing timeline over history and the variation of teams and the variation of tables and where teams finished throughout each season. Um, you know, massive differences from year to year often. Um, and then as the more and more that money comes into the game, the more and more uh, fewer teams are able to solidify strength and other teams get left behind until you end up with basically, I guess, what we could call a monopoly on trophies. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And monopoly is a good word for it because it is purely down to the investment strategies of a few clubs and, you know, the financial output that they have and it, 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 it enables them to control and dictate results to this fashion where, you know, in the same season we have Liverpool and Chelsea facing off for the two domestic cups. And that hasn't happened since 1993. And it's, it's, it's kind of, I feel like we have reached the fever point now of total domination of these four clubs, five clubs, potentially. You can even extend to Arsenal and Spurs. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just don't know where we go from here because I, we were talking about dynasties last week and how Chelsea haven't really established themselves in the long run and Liverpool and City keep jockeying for results and stuff. But you could literally see this happening for the next decade and there would not even be another team that gets a sniff. There'll be no Leicester. I mean, well, it's, it's already happened for a decade or more in other countries anyway, with an even narrower field of teams like Bayern in Germany, PSG in France, you know, Real Madrid in Spain in uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain, Celtic and Rangers in Scotland, Ajax in the Netherlands, 
um, just going on long runs of dominance because uh, they've got the money there. And it really feels like the only way you're going to be able to join them is to, you know, you're going to get the outliers like your Leicester cities. Um, but the only way you're going to join them is by getting like a big multi-billion dollar buyout by some uh, ridiculously rich corporation or something like reading today about AC Milan's potential buyout where the, the uh, Bahrain government announced that a private equity firm based in the country is in exclusive talks to buy uh, AC Milan and become the Italian league's first Middle East investor. Um, you know, and that's obviously their, their way to try and join there. We saw what happened with Newcastle recently. They want to get up there, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like, uh, you know, theoretically, I don't have an issue with Middle Eastern buyers coming into European football because no. we've allowed buyers from every corner of the earth into European football, no. basically. Just um, but it's it, the- it is, yeah, it's when it's the state-sponsored equity firms or it's, you know, something that has the government or a government power investing in a football club you know, you, you you know the means and the the reasons for it have nothing to do with football. Yeah. It's for a much, you know, a much I'm not, wider political purpose. I'm not sure that bothers me too much anyway because uh, comparatively, like, how many of the private owners are doing it out of, you know, they're doing it for the same reasons. It's a, you know, personal agenda type thing. Like Abramovich didn't love Chelsea, did he? He didn't just stumble across Chelsea. I know that the, the Arsenal owners didn't just, stumble onto Arsenal because they loved Arsenal. They were looking at multiple clubs to choose from that they could potentially buy into and own. Um, and they ended up with that one. So I don't have too much problem with that. My point is more just that, um, you know, you, you do need money to be successful now. That's how it is. Yeah, there's no, you know, gone are the days you'll never see your, you know, your Red Star Belgrade, your Star Bucharests, your Celtic even, um, other club, your Slavia Prague's winning European competitions like they used to, Nottingham yeah. Forest, uh, because it's done now. We've already got the money's done what it's done, and very few clubs can win things, and the rest are just kind of kicking about, making up the numbers. You know, not to say you shouldn't support those clubs, but it is kind of, I don't know, it takes away some of the purity for me. You know, I'm a pretty like traditionalist in the sense of like, I love my Sunday league football just because it's, you know, it's like 10 amateur teams in a league who could all compete for the title any year. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And there's probably something in that where the guys out there are doing it because they want to be doing it, not because they're obligated to do it per contract or per, you know, any kind of financial incentive, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it probably, I think this might, flow nicely into Crystal Palace Chelsea in the FA Cup um, just because of that that kind of comparative you know the oxymoron of Crystal Palace playing at Wembley huge occasion for the club versus Chelsea who play there two or three times a season yeah and it and you could you could almost feel that in the stadium you know the Chelsea fans lucky to be there personally the Crystal Palace fans definitely had uh, like a electricity to them something you know a, a once in a lifetime occasion can only bring about and that's that's the kind of thing you want to be encouraging more than the monopoly or the duopoly or of you know final appearances by the big clubs yeah definitely um 
I didn't catch any of that one. I caught the City Liverpool semi, but Chelsea Palace in the FA Cup just wasn't really wasn't really tickling me over the weekend. It was a pretty busy weekend for everyone with Easter on, so I'm not sure how much football many people actually caught, but mm. uh, I, I did catch call. up catch up on what went on in this game. And it looked like Chelsea were kind of fairly in control, fairly on top, most of the chances and probably deserving their 2-0 win. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Um, if you wanted to try and dig down into the game a little bit deeper, uh, Connor Gallagher missing from Palace's lineup. Obviously, because he is a loanee from Chelsea, they enforced the block. That hurt them a lot. And I don't, I, I don't know how you feel about loanees being restricted from playing against their parent clubs, but I feel like it kind of feeds into what we were just talking about. And it's like you have these four, five, six clubs that have a monopoly on young uh, young players as well, youth talent. You know, these these kids grow up thinking that they can only achieve their dreams um, if they uh, go into the academies or if they can join these clubs. That's yeah. the only way they're going to be able to win things. And so you get them hoarding talent. And Conor Gallagher is a good example because Chelsea haven't really developed him at all while he's been you know, signed to the club. He has a breakout season with Palace. He gets them to an FA Cup semi-final and all of a sudden he can't compete in it because of this restrictive loan rule. And I don't know, that just, it seems to me again, why would you loan? Obviously it helps Palace in the long run because it sustains him in the Premier League. But why would you loan a player like this, try and compete in finals to get to this occasion only to not have your best player? Yeah, I think it's utter bullshit. That's just straight up crap. If you're going to loan a player out, you've loaned him out. He's not your player now. He's not your player. Like, exactly. Yeah. What, I They're guess doing the work. Kind of own him, but you know, you're giving them to someone else um, because the whole point of getting the loan is to clubs like Palace and that will use loans to kind of boost their squad without forking out millions on a player. And Chelsea obviously want the kid to develop. And I'm kind of sick of clubs like this being able to have wrought the, the amount of players they have on loan or have out on loan just on their books, waiting for them to come good. Um, so yeah, he should have been able to play. Anyone who goes out on loan should be able to play against their parent club because if you don't want them to play against you, keep them, play them. That's play exactly them in right. your own fucking team. That's right. Do your own development, you know, give them the first team minutes that they should be having. Um, no, I totally agree. They are going to bring in a loan restriction rules or something soon. There's something like that going on. I think we've talked about it before. Yep. Nonetheless, I, the probably the biggest uh, flaw in this game was Vieira changing to a back three, which he hasn't done with Crystal Palace at all. This was yep. the first time. Um, and it, it kind of worked for the first 20 minutes and it looked like they really suffocated Chelsea's forward movement. Uh, Timo Werner couldn't you know, get directly behind the lines or he couldn't come in and receive the ball. He was just running horizontally for no reason. And it, it, you know, it worked for a while, but Palace ran out of legs and you know, there was two really good goals, two really good Chelsea goals, and you can't you can't begrudge yep. them that or take that away, especially because it's you know it's Loftus Cheek and it's Mason Mount. The things yep. we were crying, these are academy players, so like this is a good thing, and it's good when Chelsea do this. Like they have the best resources and the best access to youth talent. They should be playing them, and so it's you know it's nice when they they do play and score goals. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Mason Mount, so good to see him in form. Um, the other semi final, of course, was the absolute cracker between. Another cracker between Liverpool and Manchester City. These two sides just keep 
teeing off at each other and how good is it every time they do it? Yeah, it was good. This wasn't as good as the Premier League game, I didn't think. Um, maybe because Liverpool was so in control by halftime and yep. it was always like City yep, now have to chase. Um, it just, you know, in City with the changes they made to their first team squad as well, uh, it kind of felt like it dipped slightly in quality. And I, I don't know, it just, it wasn't a full Wembley and you just, you get the impression that City didn't really care about this. They really just want to win the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they still... That's, this is the thing with City is they can rotate a couple and it's still a ridiculous side. Like, they still had Concello. They still had... Uh, Ake's been playing a lot. They had Zinchenko in. Their midfield, Phil Foden, Fernandinho and Bernardo Silva with a front three of Sterling, Graylish and Gabriel Jesus. Like, that's still... A side that's worthy of winning league titles. Mm. The interesting thing I thought was that at three nil down, that maybe hints at them just accepting the result was they only made the one change, and that was Mares coming on for Jesus yeah. not until the eighty third minute. So maybe there was a bit of conceding there by Pep and just conserving the bench players, letting the other players run out the rest of the game. So keeping your Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan's. Um, keeping them up your sleeve for a later day. Yeah, that's probably a good move in the end. I, I'm not sure you would seriously think you can overturn a, a Liverpool deficit like that. Um, for w- The guys you mentioned, like Ake and Zinchenko, I thought they were brutally exposed time after time. And they yeah. maybe, you know, Ake especially, did he did he play against Atleti? Because I, I got the impression that they were just physically and mentally rattled after the Champions League game during the week, there, there was not the intensity or the aggression or the commitment, I thought, yeah. to try and win an FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool. Yeah, potentially. Um, they weren't helped by... I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing. Zach Steffen. Oh, bro. If you see the second goal that Mane's... Was it Mane's first? Liverpool's yeah. second. Uh, it's not even like he... He doesn't just, like, kick the ball and turn it over or <clears throat> kick it into Mane. He just... Flat out takes too long and just stands there. And gets he freezes. Tackled. It's terrible. He, it's he, one of the worst I've seen in a while. It's a proper lag. Like he just, his brain totally shuts down in the moment that he controls it. Like it's not a bad touch. He's got options. He just stops. He doesn't move. He doesn't react. It's yeah. It's so weird. It feels like FIFA. It was really a FIFA glitch goal where it's just been slide tackled into the net and you're fuming, throwing controllers into the television like. This game sucks. I'm never playing it again. Meanwhile, hour later, you're playing it again. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's FA Cup. So we got a Liverpool, uh, Liverpool-Chelsea final. So once again, the winner will be out of those, those big four clubs. Five, yep. six clubs. Five, six clubs. Yeah, the yeah, ones that I mentioned. Um, we, you know, like we said, there's been 30 years of this and there's only been six different winners or five different winners, I suppose, over the two competitions. Uh, can you name them? Do you think can you name can... the two Premier League, other Premier League clubs? Can, Obviously, can you name there's... the years. Give me the years as well. I can give you Leicester in 2016. Bingo. I can give you Blackburn in. I want to say was it the first one in '92? No, because that was nah, that was Liverpool. that was United. No, nah, United. United. Ah. Uh, I want to say 94 then. Oh, it's 95. You're close. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. Proper they're the mid-90s. two. I think most people would get those, the two Premier League sides. It's pretty easy Which, to do. In and of itself proves our point is that you can yep. offhand name the only other two winners outside of five clubs. <laughs> like yeah. Just... FA Cup, um, though, a little bit more diverse. There's some, there's some good names in here. Yeah, the FA Cup. Now, I can definitely give you uh, Wigan. Yep. Because I, they beat Man City, and I think I can they also did. give you Ben Watson as the goal scorer. Yep. From I a long throw. I couldn't tell you what year. From a corner. Wasn't it? it was post from a corner. A, near post yep. header from a corner, I remember it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't give you the year, though. Uh, uh, 2013. 2013. All right. Um, the other one I can give you is... It's been a long time, clearly. <laughs> I remember... I feel like um, Portsmouth definitely... I know they lost one from memory. The year they got relegated, I think. Mm-hmm. But they also won one, didn't they? They did win one, yep. Portsmouth. You bang on there, mate. So that's two. What year was that? 2008. Is that Yakubu territory? It feels like Red Nap, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. His, um, his bad very men. That's two. Free signings. All right. Yep. You got two more. I got two more. What have I said? Wigan. What? Yeah. You got Wigan Portsmouth. One was recent. One was recent. Yeah. Pre COVID, but recent. Ah. Oh. Oh no, um, post COVID. No, it was really recent. Last year. It was last year. Last year, Leicester beat Chelsea. Bang. That's one. So that's another one. That's three. Yeah, um, that's three. And you know, Leicester, you know. And if I go back Luminous Territory. <coughs> one oh, FA Cup, can, one Premier League. You, I can give you every I can just about give you every final in the two thousands onwards. So it would have to be in the nineties sometime. Yeah. And I would just be uh, guessing. It's the same year Blackburn won the Premier League, but it's not I, Blackburn. I want to guess Sunderland. Ooh, it's a good, it's a good line of guess. I'll give you one more. Just guess one more. Uh, Still in the Prem now. Uh, definitely not Spurs. Um, it was not Spurs in the Premier League now. No, I got nothing for you. Oh, Villa, e- Everton, Everton. Everton, Everton won FA Cup. There you go. 1995 Everton. Well, there you go. I wonder how the uh, wonder how our listeners went with that one. If they were playing along. Tough. I reckon they would have got it. All of them? Yep, every single one. <laughs> I think I've and done well you, to get three. No, nah, they all get prizes too. M- message us in. We'll give you uh, night oh, shift yeah. football fridge magnets. <laughs> Better order some fridge magnets then. Yeah, and s- stubby holders. Yeah. All right, we'll move it on because there was a massive Scottish Cup semi-final last night that we should talk about because I know that our Rangers fan base, <laughs> yeah. we have a loyal a loyal band of listeners who follow the Jers and they'll be keen to hear this. Um, but they yeah, did what, knock, what happened, Sam? They knocked off Ange's Celtic side in the Scottish Cup semi, ruining uh, any hopes of... There was a lot of talk this week of, a, oh, could Celtic potentially do a treble? Could they do another treble? Maybe. Surely not. And no, they cannot now. No. Um, Surely not. Keeping in mind, they still haven't won the league yet. Still, you know, six points with five games to go. And, you know, there's one old firm in there. So you drop that and you drop another game. All of a sudden, 
it's nervy times, clinchy bum time. Um, but Rangers, despite playing, uh, did they play extra time in the Europa League last week against Braga? They might have, not sure. But either way, they came out, played extra time again in this. Celtic had seven days to prepare for it. And they looked at the side that were perhaps a little more underdone, surprisingly, which is weird for an Ange side. Um, pretty, like, just another intense old firm game, which is end-to-end pretty the the quality was probably lacking from both sides i'd say like neither side really showing a lot uh to be able to unlock the defense and in the end it just kind of came down to when it's two sides of that even which they often are in scotland it can just come down to which side has more players that are showing just that tad extra little bit of desire to win the game and i thought rangers probably just had a, a few more players that uh, probably a lot more players that just showed a little bit extra, gave a little bit more, showed a bit more desire to win it. Uh, it's evident in the winning goal, Bassi, the left back, who I thought was good in the in the league old firm two weeks ago. He tore down in like the 114th minute, tore down the wing away from a freshly a freshly substituted on James Forrest for Celtic, who's known for his pace, and Bassi just tore away, got down the wing and set up the winning goal. Um and that's that's the difference in these games. If you if the teams are going to be that even, show that little bit extra. Well, I think that's a good analysis. Um, Celtic played much of a full lineup. There was no no real excuses to go out in this competition. What what I keep thinking is is this a big competition to lose? Like obviously one trophy in the bag, not as prestigious as this one, but in the grand scheme of things, you'd obviously want the league more. But he still went and still went full out for this. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, they got unlucky. They got a few, like both fullbacks got injured and had to be replaced, which hurt. Um, and they just, uh, like a few little things just didn't go their way. Like uh, at 1 0 up, um, Carter Vickers, who scored the winner at Ibrox, hit the crossbar from a chance that you you would have expected him to hit the target. He just lashed at it. Um, similar, It was similar to the chance he got at Ibrox. Um, but then Rangers just kind of, I don't know, both, both teams pretty close to full strength. And yeah, like I said, they just had a bit more extra in them. So no excuses for Celtic though. So uh, they'll just, they'll have to bounce back and make sure they get the league done now. So yeah, it, sets, it sets on. it up. It sets it up beautifully because it's one, one in the cup, uh, cup competitions. Uh, Rangers potentially could play West Ham in a Europa League final, which would yep. be unbelievable. Rangers still have to go win their final too. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. Um, yeah. Who, which is against you know, so is they'll, be playing, they'll be playing Hearts, who beat Hibs one yeah. nil. Uh, so there was a Glasgow derby and Edinburgh derby in Scotland over the weekend. Yeah, good fun. Yeah, I saw uh, Cam Devlin had a decent hit out. There's a there's a few Aussies at Hearts again. Yeah, he's a good footballer. Plays well for them. So good luck to him in the final. Hope he scores four. <laughs> <laughs> nah, and Nat Atkinson can get three and it'll just be a beautiful day out. Yep, done. Are you happy, Jers fans? You got it. You happy? <laughs> you got it. And the you question... also slid that one in right of the end. Just yeah, the question was asked today, which would you prefer, the league or the cup? And everyone well, was pretty everyone was pretty unanimous in saying the league. But yeah. Then someone, piped makes up sense. And, someone piped up and said, but Europa League over the league. Ooh, <laughs> that's I, a good question. To which I said... Champions League, sure. Europa League, no. 
You want to win Europa, when you're domestic. Europa, Europa League gets you in the Champions League. Well, I say this because Celtic have a European Cup and Rangers don't, so... You know, just uh, see this is why we got to move on because i've just been dunking on him i can't help it i can't help on it. there's only so long i can hold my nerve when praising them um so we'll move on hey let's talk about spain because we haven't talked about la liga for quite some time and although we did touch on we talked about the the el clasico a little while ago and you talk mm. you i remember you talking about Barcelona kind of maybe making a late run at, at Madrid. But in recent times, both teams have kind of stuttered a little. And then over the weekend, Madrid came from 2-0 down to defeat Sevilla away in an absolute blockbuster. And then Barcelona went and lost 1-0 at home to Cadiz on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning, um, leaving it basically with a 15-point a gap. Barcelona have a game in hand that would make it 12 points, but with six games to go, can't be done, can it? No. It's, this. it's definitely over now. And especially because Madrid knocked off Sevilla, who are third or fourth or something like that. Yeah, they are. You know, they're an, an absolute title rival. Maybe not title rival, but, you know, one of the more competitive teams in the league. They're and on the, They're on the same amount of points as Barcelona. Yeah, precisely. And, you know, they had to come from two down, didn't they? They come from 2-0 down to win this game. So away from home, uh, the, the comeback kings, we're going to get onto the UCL later. They're just in stunning form right now and look unbeatable. Yeah. Unbeatable. They were incredible in that second half. Uh, Rodrigo had a, a cracking game with a, two assists he, he had. And I think he set up a goal that was disallowed as well at, Two one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. Just um, a few of the big talking points from the game. There was a challenge on Martial uh, by I can't remember who it was, but he was already on a yellow, and the the referee didn't give the second yellow. Uh, it was it was Camavinga. Camavinga, Cam- yeah. Camavinga was on a yellow, and he's brought down Martial. He was almost the last defender. Referee said he got the ball. Uh, he was nowhere near the ball. Martial <laughs> got up and complained and then was subsequently booked. booked. <laughs> Another big note in the second half as well is uh, they Sevilla missed a huge chance to go 3-1 up, a free header in the six-yard box put over the bar which by Torres, which would have probably sealed it, you would have thought. And then Real Madrid went straight up the other end and scored only to have it disallowed for handball. I don't know if you saw this one, but it was Vinicius Jr. It was ruled out a minute um, a minute after that severe chance. The commentator was talking about the, I quote, astonishing amount of discipline that the referee had to use to maintain his handball decision, which I thought was quite bizarre. That's a funny comment. Um, I mean, obviously referees display discipline in every decision they make. Is he inferring maybe that it's harder to make decisions against the league leaders. I think that's a hundred. Well, league leaders or not, I think just Real Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think it's, it's well known the, you know, the ride they kind of seem to get in your way for competitions or have done in the past. And I think it's been noted in La Liga and the English commentators don't have time for it. So it looked to be it, he gave it handball originally and then looked at the VAR. 
he went and looked at the monitor and couldn't find reason to overturn it. So he left it as it was. I just find it interesting that they called that an astonishing amount of discipline. Mm. <laughs> yes. I mean, it probably relates back to like when a referee goes over to the little screen and he maintains his original decision, I guess, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but yeah. Yeah. If he's confident in his decision-making, it should just be a thing. It's probably, it's, you know, the var, the whole thing of this, it's probably, you know, exacerbated by media and commentary and the pundits immediately giving, you know, an alternate view or a, a dissenting view to whatever the referee is deciding. And that probably feeds into all of this. Yeah. There's, there's got to be a better way to do VAR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we still have definitely. to figure this out. Um, but yeah, they went on, they ended up scoring four minutes later, um, Real Madrid. And then our boy, guess who? Karen Benzema popped up in the 92nd minute to win it and probably seal the title, I'd say, which is a, it's, it looks like it's going to be a huge league victory for Angelotti. Will be 10 points plus Benzema again, uh, Belinda or winner, it, like just lock it in, just give it just to him, just give in. him one, just give it to him now. Yeah. Just give him one. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've got anything else to add that add to that, but Barcelona just out of nowhere dropping, and just they bounced out of Europa League last week, and then yeah. over the weekend they threw away the, any slim hope of a a league title with a one 0 loss at home to Cadiz. It is like such a horrific week for Barcelona, given that they were fifteen unbeaten in all comps, and all of a sudden they're out of contest for everything that they could have won, and that's just you know that's the way football flows sometimes. And as good as Xavi's been you know, orchestrating this team of mostly, you know, they're, they're quite young and maybe they felt the pressure of the occasion over the last week, but is Cadiz at all like a bogey team for Barcelona? It just, it makes no sense at home as well. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Interesting. Um, that'll probably do it for Spain. It's, I don't know if we'll touch on it. We'll do do you think it's wrapped at the end of the season? It, but it kind I, of I seems wrapped. wrapped. Yeah. I think the league's done. It's I tell you what we do have in Spain again, though, is a very, very interesting battle between second, third, fourth, fifth. Mm. You know, because we've yeah, got they're locked on points. Yeah, we've got Barça, Sevilla, and Atletico all on 60, Real Betis on 57, and then Real Sociedad on 55. So still very open there for the Champions League spots. Yeah, true. But you know, in all likelihood, it probably remains the same for the top four. All of those positions laid out there. The the four that are in the four now, you think? Yeah, they're probably in that lock position as well. Madrid, yeah, Barca, right. Sevilla, Atleti. That's how it'll finish. Fair enough. Uh, there was two Premier League games over the weekend that we were... There was more than two, but there was two that caught our <laughs> eye that we want to talk about. I'll start with the first one, which was Spurs v Brighton, because we had a little bit of a... Last week, it turned into a bit of a anti-Arsenal kind of spiel rather than a talking about how good Brighton were, though you did give them, you gave them a bit, um, but we should give them a bit more because they've now knocked off the other London side, Spurs, knocked off both of the North London sides in two weeks and big result. They're doing their bit for Man United and or West Ham's bid for a Champions League spot, that's for sure. They're just rolling through all of these top four contenders and thinking, no, nah, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to beat them because one day we're going to be a top four contender. And you know what, Sam? If they can keep Mwapu, uh, Kachado, and Basuma, 
oh. for another season or another two seasons, they are they are serious contenders for European can, spots. Can I add another one? Hit it, yeah. Who else? Oh, the the goal scorer, Trossard. Trossard, yeah, as well. Yeah, they've got some wild footballers, man. They do. They're good to watch. I think Basuma, the way that he controlled this game at the point of midfield, you know, it, uh, uh, Mwapu is a forward or is he a shadow striker or is he an attacking midfielder? It doesn't matter. The way that Potter plays him and the way that his midfield um, teammates like understand his runs and where he's going to be, for me, that's what I saw, was one team that is exceptionally well coached and they are all totally understanding of each other's positions and their roles and their duties against a Spurs team that just that what an enigma of a side these these guys are. I just you watch them week to week and you think, how can that be the same team that played last week? How are they going to play this week? You can't put a you can't bank on it. What are we watching? Yeah, no, it's good on them. We talked them up a lot last season, so I I, I kind of like seeing them do well. It's, I hate dropping points to them though because they're called the Seagulls and something about that just. <laughs> I don't know if that's some really shitty, like shitty, toxic masculinity shit on my behalf, but just I can't deal with losing to the seagulls. It just doesn't sit right with me. We're meant to be the gunners. Although, you know, Tottenham are like some sort of chicken on a beach ball. So I guess they're not anything there. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, is, that, is that really how you evaluate Premier League? Is the it's, mascots? It's not. And you know it. But if it was, I totally understand where you're coming from because seagulls should not stand a chance. Yeah, They're distracted well, by chips for fuck's sake. In on another note, um, neither should canaries, and that's why Norwich are perhaps the worst football team I've ever seen. Although they did manage to score twice at Old Trafford this week, <laughs> and maybe out of all of it, made look uh, made Man United look worse than Spurs and Arsenal. I just. <laughs> That was. Yeah. They're down. They're so down. And they're not going to get anything out of this season now. But when they dragged it back to 2 2, I thought, okay, they are on. Man United could get turfed. Had a chance to go 3 2 up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Quite soon after Puki, I say. Good chance. Maybe he could have fed in the uh, the runner that was coming in behind, but still. Yeah. Um, Everyone obviously going nuts because. Ronaldo got another hat trick again, and I'd another to, one. I'd love to play nice with Man United this week because they won. But once again, no one's heeded our call for a Man United fan to come on the podcast. No one has what, what? jumped at the opportunity. It's an open invite. It's an open invite. Get in touch. Get on. Defend your boys. But no one has so far. So I'm just going to keep sticking it to him. Does a hat trick against Ooh. Norwich, from which the third goal was palmed in by the goalkeeper. Does that make up for two games of being a traffic cone against Atletico? Hey, not whatsoever, Sammy. It was a tap-in and two set pieces. You know, again, Ronaldo is not the problem. Ronaldo is the problem. Even when he's scoring hat-tricks, he is the problem. He's not the problem. He's a part of the problem. Uh, we'd, we'd, We'd just be repeating ourselves, but, you know, surely investing in other areas was needed uh you know i think if you it's easy to look at the goals he's scored and say well look imagine if he wasn't there but it's the overall structure of the team the balance of the team when you get games like the everton game where ronaldo can't just do all this magic on his own 
Look at look at how bad they look. They even looked bad in this game. Defensively, they had just defensively all over the place. That oh Norwich first goal was a, a disgrace. Yeah. Easily. Although, did you think I really loved how hard uh, Pookie whipped that ball into Dow's head? Like, I felt like he yeah. probably needed like a concussion test after that. <laughs> it yeah, was rifled it in. Well, that's something I always find interesting is like the speed that players will block uh, block shots or the speed of crosses that they'll get their heads onto. But the slightest brush of an arm is enough to fall on the floor and roll around for a few days. So interesting that, isn't it? Please mm. stop it. It's almost like they're not really hurt at all. Almost like that. But there you go. Well done, Manchester United. Well done, the Red Devils. I think, you know, they're probably... Is that how we're ending with this? We're not... They were, no. they were shot. No, no, no. No, no. We've, we've, we've given it to them every week. I'm just going to give them a well done, you got three points. Because I think deep down, United fans know that it's not that big a deal. So... You know what would be funny, though? If they did snake fourth position out of West Ham, Arsenal and Spurs? Well, I was just about to say, I think they're going to. I think they probably Oh, no way. You reckon? Uh, There's some big games coming up this week, like Chelsea and Arsenal play. uh, I believe Arsenal still have to play Man United as well. And Mm. Man United play Liverpool also this week. I think that game Uh, is... Wednesday morning. It might be played by the time people hear this. Yeah. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We might look like a bunch of idiots when Ronaldo's no. six in the morning and they beat Liverpool six Not nil. us. We never look like idiots, man. Never. How did Will Gordon go on the weekend? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to talk about the Champions League just quickly before we finish. Um, in particular, I just want to... I know it's kind of like a week late now, but oh, Atletico Madrid making me want to... Just I don't know. They they just make me scream inside at the horrible style of football that they put out when they have some unbelievably good players and they dish up shit. 180 minutes against Manchester City and they didn't even try to score a goal until the last 10 minutes of that. And then they play the victims and they play this whole why me, we're so hard done by thing. And it just shits me to tears, man. Shits me to tears. They do love to play the victim, don't they? I, it was funny because KDB uh, said in the, <laughs> said after the first like he hadn't seen anything like that, like yeah, he'd never experienced. That, yeah. Imagine how he would have felt after this game. The the shit housery went beyond the beyond the pale. It's not shit housery anymore. It's not banter. It's not funny. No, it's just it's it's like eleven grown men acting like incontrollably. Yeah, yeah. like. They are like children. They're just acting on pure emotion and red hot adrenaline. And there was there's just there were so many incidences in this game. And even after the game in the tunnel, like the vision yeah. that emerged from that, that was spitting insane. on people and stuff. Do you, like, do you think it was a spit? It looked like yeah, it looked he did, like but it. it hasn't been confirmed. I don't know. Um, some of the stuff Savage got away with throughout the game was just ridiculous. And then <laughs> the Felipe, like. He should have been booked for his first one where he went straight through the back of Phil Foden's head with no intent to get the ball. Wasn't booked for that. Was booked a little later for kicking De Bruyne. Uh, So there's his yellow. And then he does that ridiculous kick out on Phil Foden, which Phil Foden's obviously made the most of it. And I don't condone that. It's just dumb. Get on with it. But 
Felipe can have no complaints about getting sent off there in the end and getting a second yellow, but he does. He argues it like he's the most innocent man out there. And I just can't believe a professional footballer can be that logical. You know, you know, you've fucked up, surely. It can't be that deeply held a belief. There has to be an agreement between everyone that they're just going to protest and deny everything throughout the game and make it look as if they are hard done by while they are exerting a force and a physicality that is beyond, you know, the remit of the game. There's cameras absolutely everywhere. That they see everything. We as the audience see it all. And we talked about this last week with the Arsenal game and the dumb shit going on with players just falling over everywhere and just dropping to the floor or taking dives. And it's like, we can all see you on TV. Aren't you embarrassed? Don't you have any pride in yourself? Or do you just not care because you're just trying to win at all costs? It's, it has it's, to be. It sickens me. There's no, there's no self-reflection whatsoever. There's no like pondering moment. What am I doing to exhibit the game? What am I doing to further, you know, the the, the spectacle or my influence upon young footballers? There's yep. none of that, and there's it's quite clear with the Atleti team. You know, I we talked about it last week. Um, the first leg, I thought they were okay in that. I thought they didn't really push the boundaries too no. far, but this one was just ridiculous. I think on the actual football itself, like. Simeone, for as good as he has done with them, he is also their downfall. It has to be. You know? It's the crutch. Because it's the crutch. This team has some excellent players. Like, they're brilliant on the ball. You, got, you, you know, you got Jao Felix, Antoine Griezmann up front, Coca in the midfield, uh, Lorente. Um, you know, they, they had patches during that second half. The second half of the second leg, I thought they were better than Man City. They outplayed them for a lot of it without managing to score or really trying too hard to score. But they were able to keep the ball at least and dominate, which not many teams can do. Not dominate, but they were able to keep the ball off City for a bit, which not many teams can do. They were able to do it, but you've left it too late. Why are you only waiting to the last... Like, Because then they start putting the foot down and trying to create more chances because they're so scared of being cut open because their coach is a madman who won't doesn't want to concede a chance. And then they wait till, you know, the last 10 minutes of two full games of football to really start putting the pressure on in the penalty area. And they did create some chances, but, you know, when you look at, if you look at percentages in football of the amount of chances scored compared to chances created, you know, it's low. So why don't you try and create more chances? Why do you wait so long? They were just lucky that City never put them away and put them to bed, which... I really wish they did now. I wish City had just absolutely buried them and put an end to this bullshit about Simeone's crap tactics and their defensive stuff, keeping them in games when they're good enough to outplay teams and win games that way. Imagine you had a season ticket at Atletico Madrid to watch all those guys, their wage bill, the third biggest in Spain. Imagine you paid for a season ticket to go watch them park men behind the bus. To get away with it with it against the Spanish teams who can't defend when you hit them on the counter so well. But you know, eat shit, get out. Eat shit. That's it. That's where we fall with this. No, eat you're shit. exactly right, man. You're exactly right. Because it's it's total shit that you wouldn't go into your home leg from the outset and try and attack. Exactly what you said. The fucking second half, maybe they did dominate. I thought they held more of the ball, they created better chances, they were more fluid. 
they really looked like a team that knew what they were doing going forward as opposed to the previous 140-odd minutes or whatever it was. And so when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, I, like, I don't mind them going to City and losing 1-0 and thinking that's a good result. But you have to come back and from the outset show an intent and attacking intent to control the game, to try and do something more than just you know, subsist to Man City and hit him on the break like they tried to do. And like, you know, like you said, last 20 minutes, someone to play football, what? Why? What does it matter? Now, you, now you're interested. Now you want to get emotional about the game. Now you want to kick out and try and punch people and do whatever else, choke them, spit on them in the change room, what, right, whatever, man. Yeah, pull the hair. Hair pulling. Like, come Look, on. The hair, pulling, the hair pulling, I don't mind. It, it is come Grealish on, after all. He is a model. Matter. Come on. I, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the hair pulling. But, you know, uh, was it Savage that choked Sterling over the incident with Foden on the ground? That's not cool, man. Like, you shouldn't do that shit. I did love how much the City players came in to stick up for Foden, though, because Foden True. was – they clearly made it, uh, him a target of theirs throughout the night uh, to go after him. But, yeah, so good up for City for sticking up for their young boys. I do love seeing that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Already had a bandaged head, so you should. Was that Zinchenko, uh, Zinchenko on the bench getting stuck in? Beautiful. Yeah. And Grealish love, it when a player, love it when a player warming up gets involved with the uh, on-field players. Oh, definitely. Um, other games, we, we won't go into Liverpool-Benfica, but that was a, a weird it was a three-all, three-all second leg there. But as we predicted, Liverpool kind of comfortably through already after the the first leg and they were 3-1 up in this game. Um, so not really ever in danger there. We won't dive too deep into Real Madrid-Chelsea, though it was good. They went into extra time and Real Madrid just do what they do and they came back. Chelsea played excellent in this game, but their first leg really came back to haunt them. And then uh, the man from the first leg, Karen Benzema, came back and haunted them in extra time. Uh, to get that one over the line, Madrid through to the semifinals. I guess the big result, the one that really caught everyone off guard, was Villarreal stealing a, a one-all draw away to Bayern to go through 2-1 on aggregate. Did you catch this one? Yeah, boy. I was watching this one. This was a hell good game. And they, they didn't do the thing, Sammy. We speculated <laughs> last week that they deliberately threw the first leg. <laughs> to come out and blow uh, them away. Yeah, but it didn't work. It blew up in their face. Yep. No, they. It was excellent. Um, the funniest part I think of it was the the Villarreal winner Chukwueze on the counter attack. He does that thing where you you kick the ball into your standing foot. <laughs> yeah. I reckon I've done that so oh, many mate. times. In I've seen you do it so many times, and I don't think it's ever missed like somehow looped the keeper and gone through his hands and over his head and into the net. And this guy manages to get away with it to put his team through to a Champions League semi-final. Remarkable. Only the second shot that they had on target over the two legs and both of them were goals. Unreal. It's just, it's, it's that, you know, it's exactly what we said last week. And it's what we said at the beginning of the show. When you exclude you know, football participation from the smaller clubs in inverted commas. This is the kind of story that you miss. And this is Villarreal making a semi-final is unreal. And to beat Bayern Munich in the way that they did, it's, you can't even imagine it. You can't even imagine it in the, in the current context. Yeah, definitely. 
it's it's incredible. Um, I I'd love to see him go all the way and win it, wouldn't you? Mm. Hell yeah! It's like it's, it, but it's funny. It's on the flip side. Did they deserve to win this game? Probably not. But do we like it? Yeah. And would we like to see them beat Man City in the final? Yeah, that'd be fucking hilarious. I'm okay with it because I'm okay with a team like this. Is the point is like I'm okay with a team like Villarreal going to Bayern and sitting back, parking the bus, doing what they have to do to survive. Mm. Um, the flip That's side a, is the flip side it's, is it's because it's as a result of the domination of the big clubs, isn't it? So you yeah. establish these clubs that you are happy to sit back and do That's, nothing. Whereas like the flip side is Atletico aren't a side like Villarreal. They, they've got much better resources and they still do it somehow. Um, so yeah, that leaves us with some cracking. Well, Liverpool Villarreal is the semi, I guess there's no easy semifinals, but Liverpool will be happy with this draw. Obviously, the draw yep. was done before the quarterfinals, so they knew who they'd be getting anyway, but they would have been anticipating getting Bayern, and now I've got Villarreal, so they'll be licking their lips, but you know they won't be taking that too easy. And Real Madrid v Manchester City is just mouth-watering. Oh, we can, it's um, going to be unreal. It will, yeah. We can cover that when it, when it comes around in a couple of weeks' time. Is it next week? It might be in a few weeks. I don't know. We'll check, but we'll do it's it when some it comes point. around. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it's at some point. Just quickly before we finish off, West Ham smashed through against Lyon 3-0. They're through to a European semi. So to a Rangers after going through in extra time against Braga, turning down a first leg, turning around a first leg deficit. Atalanta were knocked out by RB Leipzig and Barcelona's slump carried on, knocked out by Eintracht Frankfurt. What are your thoughts on uh, some or all or none of these games? I thought that I uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, with Aiden Harustic in midfield. Uh, I don't think he played this game, but he is a part of this squad. He is. That is uh, one of the bigger upsets you could probably see um, in this Europa League. And they were fully deserved of it because they were, you know, this is the typical German cliche. They were organized. They were structured. Yep. They hit their gaps and you know what? They finished their chances and, that's the beauty of these competitions is that even in the lower leagues or, you know, the, the, the mid champions league, you kind of get these great stories as well of yep. these middle of the range German teams knocking out Barcelona and stuff like that. They, uh, and it, West Ham's a great story too. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was just going to say Frankfurt, they found themselves three nil up <laughs> at the no camp. Found themselves. Camp, whatever we call it these days. They, found they just stumbled into it. Up. Yeah. And then, uh, that was a 4-1 aggregate lead before Barca pulled it back. They got a 90, what, the 100, 101st. 111th. Yeah, or 101st. 101st, yeah. 90 plus 11. Yeah. <laughs> 101st minute penalty for Depay got them back to 4-3, but the damage was done. Um, yeah, and the other one, obviously West Ham, big for them. Rangers, we predicted to go through against Braga, but they... They made it a Did lot it harder. Hard. And then Leipzig Atalanta was a real flip of the coin. But um, yeah, we'll also have a look at the semifinals when they come around. But what have we got here? 29th of April. So yeah, next next week, these games. Uh, Leipzig host Rangers in the first leg. West Ham hosting Frankfurt. They're good ties. This is a good, yeah, this is a good time to tune into the uh, Europa League, I think. It always is, I think. Generally every year, your Europa League and... Europa League and Champions League around this time, always, always exciting to get to. Um, 
my last little note was for the week was that you could potentially have an English side win all three European competitions with West Ham there in the Europa League, mm. uh, Man City or Liverpool in the Champions League, and Leicester still kicking on in the Conference, Conference League. They've got Roma coming up. So, oh, that'd be a good game too, man. Like, yeah, Leicester there's no way I'm tuning into Conference League though. It's no, nah, sh- it that. shouldn't be a thing. So, yeah, I'm not, we I'm probably not won't cover it unless Leicester no. win it and get to the final. Then we can talk uh, about it. But we'll mention then, it. Yeah. It'll be a mention. Slightly talk about it. Did yeah. you want to? Did you want to touch on the end of uh, our favorite guy, Sean Dice? What? Can you say that with a little more, a little more Who? emphasis, a <laughs> little more? The end of Sean Dice. Oh, you were trying to do a Dice voice. That's what that that's, was. That's my Dice voice. Yeah. Is that not <laughs> okay. good? You do no, one. No, I was just, I was just very confused as to what was happening. It feels like it's harsh on Sean Dice. It's not bad, I guess. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it, this is the problem. He's gone now, so I can't practice it. He's, he's gone. Irrelevant. I've missed this. You miss him getting sacked. Yeah, there's so much I don't care about Burnley or anything to do with him. It just—they're never sacked. on my radar. Sack Sammy right now with six That's games to go. Brilliant. Why now? I don't know. That's the Why point. Six years Why ago. Why now? <laughs> six games to go. Six years ago, maybe Burnley. I knew you would be stoked about this sacking. But, you know, generally speaking, Sean Dyche has done wonders with a club that has given him no financial resource to compete. I, I don't give a crap. I just don't care. <laughs> the guy's a winger. The guy is defensive crap. I, I guess they don't have the resources, but they don't even try. Um, that's probably not on him. It's on the club. I don't know. I just... I'm I'm literally on pouring him. a glass of wine right now to celebrate. I'm topping up my glass. I don't even hear, <laughs> <this>. <laughs> hear that, everybody? Have you ever heard that? I'm filling up my glass of wine to celebrate. Sean Dice has been sacked. Oh, that was pretty good. It's not as gravelly as it should be, but it was pretty good. I can't wait till he manages Stoke and they get promoted back to the Premier League and we have to see a Sean Dice Stoke side battle it out on a Tuesday night. On that note, probably a good spot to end it this week, I think. Don't you? Yep. Farewell. Yeah. Have fun, everybody. Thanks for listening. There'll be no point one episode this week because Adelaide United didn't play. But, uh, you know, for all our Adelaide United fans out there, tune in next week. We'll have, we'll definitely be talking Adelaide because we play Sunday night of the long weekend this week. Who have we got? It's Perth. Perth, glory. Yeah, and they've been terrible. So hopefully we pump oh, them. So fingers crossed, Sammy. Let's talk about hopefully a, a 12 nil win or something ridiculous. Oh, right just, just on that quick, oh, here we uh, go. MacArthur lost to Western United tonight, which means what, what's that... tonight? When are the dear listeners going oh, to Oh, sorry. Tuesday, is... Tuesday evening, yes. uh, Western United beat MacArthur 2 nil, which means that Adelaide United, with three games remaining, have a final spot entirely within their grasp. That's Definitely. it. Yeah. If we can get, if, if Adelaide can get seven out of the remaining nine points, they're in. Beautiful. We'll catch you all next week. Bye. Peace.